2: Hello and welcome along to a special international edition of the La Liga Lowdown podcast, part of the Radio Tucano family. I'm Yumi Tier, your host for this one, with David Garrido trapped in the Valencian zoo and with Alexandra Johnson <laughs> busy sobbing over some meatballs in a Galician Ikea in despair at Sweden's draw with Norway. It means I'm joined by the other two members of the La Liga Lowdown squad, Paco Pollitt from Valencia and Roman de Arcare from Barcelona. Paco, how are you?
1: Hi, Ivan. how are you doing? Yeah, I actually was able to uh, get uh, David outside from the zoo. Well, that's good So news. I guess he should be back to, yeah, <laughs> he should be back to hosting pretty soon.
2: <laughs> and Roman, how are you? You've not seen David looking around any zoos. <laughs> no, I haven't. A bit sleepy, to be
3: honest, after the multi-game, but i um, holding on.
2: Exactly, well let's get cracking on Because we do have a lot to discuss Not because it was exciting But because Spain have played two matches in Group F Of Euro 2020 qualifying And they've won them both We need to remember that They beat Norway 2-1 in Valencia On Saturday and Malta 2-0 away from home this Tuesday night, we were recording just after the game. Um, but both of these victories were about as convincing as uh, Sergio Ramos promised to stop taking Paninca's. This, this was Malta, remember, the third lowest ranked side in UEFA, and yes I am including Scotland in UEFA here. And almighty Spain could only win by two, I mean back in 1983 they smashed the Maltese 12-1, this time there was only two. So Roman, a simple yet complicated question to start off, why can't Spain score any goals?
3: Well, it's, it's really a tough question. I, when I was watching the game uh, against Malta, it reminded me of, of um, Spain in the World Cup, where they had lots of possession, passing um, horizontally, but they were never capable of getting close enough to the area. I mean, they had a few shots, they had a, some good opportunities, but there's, it's, it's a internal problem which has been there for a while. And it's really, it's hard to solve for Luis Enrique, it's hard to solve for all the coaches who have been there lately. And, and to be honest, I can't give you a, a specific answer right now. It's, it's something really complicated where, where the strikers have to prove their worth and like step up.
2: Yeah, and with, with 84% possession that only turned into two goals, I, I agree with you. I think it was a lot similar to the, the Russia game at the World Cup. And we saw against Norway, um, giving away a penalty that almost almost uh, cost Spain. Uh, you know, this, is a, this is a problem they're going to have against smaller teams, isn't it, Roman?
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, when, when teams are, are capable of defending and close themselves really, really close to their area, to their box, to their goalkeeper, it feels like Spain is incapable of, of deciphering or finding a way through those players. They have, they're lacking this, this, I guess, creativity. They have to move the ball quicker because if not, they just get into position and there's no way of finding any space. So that is the problem that they're going to find and, and we're seeing in, in the last few games.
2: For sure, and it was it was a very inexperienced lineup that's been put out in the second game against Malta in the absence of of Luis Enrique, who very sadly had to return home to attend to a family emergency. I was amazed at this stat from friend of the pod Robbie Dunn. Sergio Ramos was there with his one hundred and sixty-two caps. The other ten members of the starting lineup had eighty-nine caps between them. So, Paco, was there too much rotation for this game?
1: Yeah, possibly it is true that uh, one of the talking points in the in the next uh, few hours is going to be Luis Enrique's absence. But uh, I believe that uh, the manager who was in charge of the team, who was his uh, assistant, Robert Moreno, uh, really did what Luis Enrique had ordered uh, before he left for personal reasons. And uh, yeah, I believe that they are go- trying to... Um, uh, come up with the proper blend or the proper mix in a few key positions on the team, uh, especially in front. Uh, Morata obviously uh, had to play because he really needed the confidence. Marco Asensio was, right next to Sergio Ramos and Morata himself, the only one to uh, start once again after the first game against uh, Norway. And I believe that it's due to the fact that both Morata and Asensio needed Confidence and minutes and opportunities. But yeah, I I see it quite logic that uh, uh, Luis Enrique is trying, I believe, almost half of La Liga's uh, best players nowadays uh, because he's trying to find those two, three, four reliable players who can um, be part of the backbone of his team.
2: Yeah I really agree and we did see a stronger uh, lineup against Norway on Saturday before we dissect that match Paco you were there can you tell us firstly what was the atmosphere like at Mestalla for the first Spain game there since 2005 and the first in the City of Valencia since 2014 what was the atmosphere like?
1: Well, I had uh, doubts uh, regarding uh, how many people would go and actually attend the game. Uh, It was Saturday night. Uh, As you know, uh, Valencia were still reeling from the FIAS holidays, but uh, it was pretty great.
2: By reeling, you mean hungover, of course. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, hangover. You know that the the, the week after fires is hangover week uh, because people are still not to their uh, usual selves. Um, but people really uh, were able to to attend and uh, be uh, in a in a pretty good atmosphere. Uh, almost forty thousand in, in attendance. And uh, regarding the game, I, I believe that the, that the people were happy with the, uh, Rodrigo Moreno scoring, for example. That was one of the highlights of, of the night. Uh, also, Dani Parejo playing a pretty Great game in the midfield with 75 minutes under his belt, where he proved that he is one of the most informed midfielders in, in La Liga. So overall, it was a, a great experience. And remember that the reason for the game being played at Mestalla was Valencia's centenary, uh, which uh, actually uh, 24 hours later Uh, had uh, another great uh, attendance in in Mestalla with almost 40,000 playing uh, or or watching in this case the Partido de las Leyendas, uh, the legends uh, game between uh, Valencia's former glories such as uh, you know um, well there were quite a few great ones we saw Fernando Gomez, we saw uh, Albelda Baraja uh, playing against a a national team made of legends and uh, overall the weekend was excellent for for Valencianistas and also for Valencia football fans
2: Yeah, there was a really cool photo there of of Canizares with the fireworks going up in the the sky and you're right a a perfect weekend and you mentioned it there you touched on it, Rodrigo scoring a goal to give the home fans in Valencia something extra to, to cheer about I'm going to ask you this Paco the hometown hero Rodrigo, he scored in this game, he started in this game but should he be the starting forward for Spain?
1: Um, this is going to be a hot topic, okay? And I believe it's going to be a recurring one from uh, now on until maybe the, the next uh, summer 2020. Um, but I think nowadays Rodrigo is in a better form and in a better shape than Álvaro than Morata. He might have scored twice against uh, Malta, a brace, but I think Rodrigo has uh, a better um, gelling with his teammates. He opens more spaces in the defence. He moves uh, more and, and has a better pace nowadays than Morata. But I understand that also Luis Enrique is trying to get Morata engaged and and, and getting uh, that sense of being part of a team. So, yeah, I think that Rodrigo should be a starter and why not? He should be paired with Álvaro Morata because I believe that both of them are the best and the strongest pair of strikers nowadays.
2: Yeah, and Roman, who do you think should be the, the starting forward? Forward for Spain, Rodrigo, Diego Costa, Iago Aspas uh, Morata maybe is is the other option I like, I personally like Morata a lot Even if he missed about half a dozen headed chances over the course of this past week and, and Luis Enrique does seem to like him too He said the Norway match was his best one with Spain Especially because of his hold-up play And we saw that, that was all in play That was a factor against Malta So what do you think of Morata and who do you think should be the starter Roman?
3: Well, it's clearly not a coincidence that has played the, the two games uh, with Spain this week. So, I mean, he's clearly the best option, and for me he is a, a really good option. I mean, he's a very physical player, he can use his body but he's also technical, so that's something that Spain really looks in, in, in a in a striker. He's probably the closest we have to maybe Diego Costa but of course Costa is not at his best yet, he's come from an injury recently and he's still finding his form so I think is a great option although players like Rodrigo like um, Aspas, they're great strikers but the feeling is that they're maybe playing better with their club and when it comes comes to playing with the national team, they're, they're missing that extra punch they usually provide in their own, t- own team. So at the moment, I think Morata is probably the best choice for now.
2: And moving away from the, the centre-forward topic, um Pac, I'll ask you this. What do you think the, was the strongest uh, position group for Spain over these matches? Was it the full-backs, the, the midfield, or, or was it the forwards?
1: Um, having the chance of watching the game live You see those little details That usually you miss when watching the game on, uh, on TV And I really liked The way um, Both Danny Parejo and Sergio Busquets Blended together because they obviously never play together. One belongs to Barca, another one plays for Valencia. But they had that chemistry, and and frankly, they seemed that they had been playing together forever. And I really liked the way the midfield played against uh, Norway, even though it is true that uh, the Norwegians, and it was very surprising in my opinion, uh, they pressed very hard, and they ran a lot. They, they had a very... Uh, important physical endurance throughout the game and that's why they they, they put Spain into trouble in the second half but I think that the midfield was a highlight in in the game against Norway and I believe that a strong Spanish national side needs to have um, as their uh, main focus their midfield because in 2008 that was the, the the keystone of the whole team obviously you had excellent strikers like uh, Fernando Torres David Villa but uh, the magic really happened in in the in the boiler room you know sala de máquinas where the the, the brains are, are working and I think that uh, Luis Enrique should focus his energies in making a strong midfield who is able to um, defend and and be physically strong but also have that intelligence, uh, creativity and and generate chances, clear chances for the forwards to to score.
2: Yeah, I've got to agree with that about the the midfield. I think any Spain team that's going to have success will be built from the middle. But we have to remember all these Spain teams that won trophies had great centre-back partnerships. Uh, It was Ramos, Puyol, Pique. uh, These guys always uh, combined together. Right now we've got Sergio Ramos But who partners him? Inigo Martinez did so against Norway and gave away a silly penalty. Mario Hermoso, uh, he played against uh, uh, Malta, but he's had you know he's had busier siestas in this game. He couldn't really prove himself. There was nothing to do. So there's no obvious centre back option, is there, Roman?
3: No, there there actually isn't a good um, or a great option as there was before with Pique and Sergio Ramos. I mean, those two were top quality centre-backs, and now we're having um, troubles to find a, substitution for, a substitute for Piquet, of course. I mean, Spain has lots of good centre-backs, or very good centre-backs, but not top quality. So then, of course, Hermoso, Inigo Martínez, Sergi Gómez, they're good centre-backs with their teams at their level, but of course, when it comes to playing to the, with a national team, you're expected a lot, and it's really hard to find that level of quality in Spanish center back, so I mean it's, it's going to be tough to find who is the right one I mean Ramon was pretty good today but of course he barely had any any job against a team like Malta and Norway was tougher Inigo as you mentioned gave away a penalty he could have been better but I mean it's going to be really hard for Luis Enrique to find somebody else to, to join Sergio Ramos
2: Yeah and then Sergio Ramos of course getting the, the penalty Panenka um, scoring for a fifth Spain game in a row which is quite incredible for for a centre-back and Paco I'm going to ask you this because you were in the stadium I'm sure this this passed through your mind as he was about to take that penalty if you're a goalkeeper going up against Sergio Ramos about to take a spot kick and you know it might be a Panenka what on earth do you do?
1: We we actually called it in the stands. Um, you thought it was going had, to be. <laughs> uh, uh, D- David Garrido was right next to me, and we were talking about the, the the penalty. We had fans surrounding us, and we were talking in a whole row of seats. He's going to totally take it Panenka style, and he did it. So um, he's becoming predictable in that sense. So if I was a, a, a goalkeeper, a top quality goalkeeper, I would surely stand my ground at not uh, try uh, stopping it on one side or the other. Uh, Because he eventually is going to to miss, and once uh, Ramos misses one Panenka-style penalty, uh, criticism is going to be so big that uh, he won't have that much uh, will of trying uh, that again. So I would surely try to stop it by standing completely still, frozen, and simply uh, waiting for the ball to come into my arms.
2: Yeah I'm sure the, the goalkeeper Must have must thought have that He must have done his homework Must have thought that I don't know Maybe if he stands still And Ramos puts it in the corner He looks silly to Everyone back in Norway Who hasn't seen Ramos do this Every couple of weeks in La Liga I don't know It's a, it's a, it's a game of chess That every time Ramos steps up And I, I for one love it um, But that's all we've got For this first half of this podcast But stay tuned Because after this We're going to talk some more Spain Also look at under-21s At Catalonia And At the return of La Liga Welcome back to the second half of this International Week special. It wasn't just Spain who were playing this week, as we also had a match involving the Catalan national team. Now, Roman, how does the Catalan national team work? Is it a national team? Uh, does the fact that they didn't have to buy their shirts from the decathlon sports store like Venezuela make them more of a national team? How how does it work? You are there in Barcelona. Can you tell me a bit about the history of this team?
3: Well, I mean, Catalonia... Wants to be, of course, a national team at the level of Spain, at the level of uh, France. Yeah,
2: I, I heard that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, of
3: course. But but, but it's, it's not easy. I mean, uh, it's, it's a political thing, which is very complicated to explain, of course. But I mean, every once and then, when they have the opportunity, they try and play a game. And this time it was against Venezuela. And I mean, Catalonia have a pretty good team. I mean, we saw lots of good players uh, on the field, but it has to be said that lots of players couldn't go to the game because of course their clubs didn't want them um, risking their, their selves getting injured or whatever before such such um, important games fighting for for, for, them, for not going down into Segunda División, like t- players from Huesca, like Enrique Gallego, from Villarreal, like Gerard Moreno, from um, Valladolid, like Rubén Alcaraz or even Alex Moreno from from Rayo Vallecano. I mean all these players could have been in the national squad. They would have made an even more powerful Catalunya team, but unfortunately they weren't allowed to go. Although I guess it was a good decision because for example Juanpi, he played with Venezuela and he got injured, although it seems it won't be too bad at the end. He was he was actually crying on the field. He was quite worried so that was something to take into account. And, I mean, during the game, um, Catalunya were pretty good. So were Venezuela. I think it was a very equal game, especially in the first half. But then in the second half, it was much more entertaining. The goals came for sure. And the player, a young talent from um, Barca's youth team, Ricky Puch, 19 years old. As soon as he came on, he gave a great pass to Montoya, which ended up in the first goal by Bojan Kirkic. And from there on, he was just the, the creative um, player in that midfield which allowed Catalonia to get many more chances. So that was a pretty pretty fun game to watch.
2: Yeah, I always find it interesting when whenever Catalonia play and and when the Basque Country play and it always brings up the debates of which of the the 17 autonomous communities has the the best team and I'm sure if you made a an Andalusia or Valencian community or Madrid team they'd all be they'd all be very good. It's um yeah, it's always interesting to see and have these debates when these matches come around and Going back to the the Spain, the official Spain national team, we had a couple of friendlies for the under-21s, they beat Romania 1-0 and Austria 3-0. So Paco, how do you rate their chances ahead of the European Championships this summer? Is this current under-21 side better than the 2017 team of Kepa, Saúl and Asensio?
1: Well it is true that there's plenty of talent in this under-21 squad. Obviously, as a, as a Valencia uh, reporter, I have to talk about Carlos Soler, but also, uh, for example, Borja Mayoral, uh, who is uh, playing for Levante this season on loan. And I think they have a very good team, um, not only because of the, the two wins this, this week, but... Also, because if you compare uh, man by man uh, the starting 11 uh, for Spain with, for example, other superpowers around Europe, I think that maybe France and uh, England uh, can be equally unstoppable. But nowadays, I think uh, Spain uh, are top favorites or one of the top favorites for that uh, European Championships uh, next summer um, because the quality is there, but also the team is learning to defend. Uh, very well, very well, I I saw the other day their game against uh, Austria, uh, a 3-0 win, and they showed uh, unbeknownst proficiency uh, when defending, so I think that uh, they're going to be uh, a very tough team to defeat uh, next summer in that European Championships.
2: Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch in Italy, Italy and San Marino. Uh, when that comes up in in June, and, and sticking with you mentioned one of the guys there, but sticking with the the under 21s, uh, you had you had Carlos Soler, he had a great week. It's it's overall it's been a great international break for Valencia. You already told us about um, all the all the alcohol everybody was able to drink, all the <laughs> the centenary match, the fireworks, and you, on top of that you had goals from Rodrigo, Carlos Soler, Ferran Torres got a couple for the under 19s as well. Uh, even the uh, cherry with Russia's had a ball. Can can this fantastic international break, helped the confidence at Valencia for the final stretch of the domestic season?
1: Well, I have to speak about one particular point, uh, Denis Cheryshev. Whenever he plays for Russia, he becomes a uh, ballon d'or uh, material. <laughs> straight, yeah. straight ballon d'or material because he's like the best player, hands down, of that team. He scores, he assists, he's uh, amazing on top of the pitch and then he comes back to Valencia and suddenly it seems that uh, they have uh, given us back the, you know, the weird cousin who is uh, <laughs> resembling the real Shereef, but not actually him. Okay. Uh,
2: maybe you have to, maybe you have to get rid of the bat symbol that's caused so much controversy and put like a Russian yeah, eagle I on g- the Valentian badge. And I guess this, DC Comics
1: wouldn't be that happy if <laughs> if we uh, keep talking about uh, the, the bat symbol because they seem to have a beef with Valencia regarding that. But well, I can tell you guys that it's absolute nonsense and it's. <laughs> (laughs) not going to have zero consequence uh, regarding Valencia's uh, logo or Valencia's uh, uh, badge because uh, the badge has been there for 400 years. So uh, I think that uh, the suits and the lawyers in DC Comics' pocket are not going to have success in this sense. And going back to Rodrigo, Soler, Ferran, yeah, I think that um, Valencia has been slowly picking up their own pace slowly building up momentum on, basically in Copa del Rey they were able to uh, move past to the next round and then beat Getafe and then beat Betis and getting to the final and that has been able to slightly improve the overall mood of the team the attitude, the morale and I think that uh, that is going to be a a crucial uh, part of the the last stretch of the season because you can see it uh, amongst players Rodrigo Moreno wouldn't have scored with Spain two months ago because he was just unable to score to put the ball into the goal but nowadays he is because he has his confidence back so I expect these players to keep improving and some of them maybe Gonzalo Guedes is the one missing uh, so that Valencia can be finally a Champions League contender in the last uh, eight, nine games uh, remaining
2: Yeah, for sure and and Roman where you are maybe hasn't been uh, quite such a happy international break given that Lionel Messi returned with a bit of an injury plus Luis Suarez and Ousmane Dembele also have fitness issues. How big of a concern is that for Barcelona ahead of what is a very big game where you are this weekend, the Catalan derby against Espanyol?
3: Well, if we're expected to play with Boteng, Malcolm, and the Coutinho we're seeing lately, I would be quite worried, to be honest. So I would watch that. I
2: would be interested to see that. Yeah,
3: exactly. But I, I would actually be very worried, I'd say, because come on, I mean, those three players are decent players but of course they're not top quality level and playing against Espanyol which is always tough even though we really dominated them in the first game this season wouldn't be wouldn't be very positive although it's true we have a good um, comfortable space in in the standings where we can allow ourselves to lose a few points but hopefully Luis Suárez will be back for for the game possibly Messi should be back too although this injury he's had for a while it's like coming and going and he's had some games where he hasn't been at 100% But hopefully he'll get past that as soon as possible. And thankfully this happened during the the break where they've had time to kind of recover a bit. And and if this would have happened during La Liga, it would have been an absolute disaster. So hopefully we'll have at least Suárez and Messi back for for the game against Espanyol. And that will be decent enough, I think.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a... An interesting one there at the Camp Nou on Saturday, quarter past four. Uh, La Liga, of course, back this weekend. It all kicks off on Friday night with Girona against Athletic Club. I'm going to ask you, before we go, what of the fixtures this weekend are standing out the most for you? What do you think is the most interesting and why? Paco, can you tell us first?
1: Well, um, obviously, the partidazo prediction choice this week is uh, Sevilla-Valencia because it's been an awesome week for Valencianistas in fact uh, it's literally awesome you know from Monday to Sunday, uh, Monday 18th to Sunday 24th it was perfect, no uh, beefs, no struggles no disappointments, just pure bliss watching how Valencia celebrated their centenary and uh, yeah after a perfect week people expect the best from their lads. so I think that uh, visiting Sanchez Pizjuán after the the new change in the in the bench and seeing uh, uh, Pablo Machín sacked and uh, having now Monchi back at the helm of the sports direction and watching this is super old school you know uh, Caparrós in on the bench uh, Valencia need to go back to the roots need that attitude from the 2004 uh, days and they need to win that game. If they really want to show everyone that they want to be Champions League contenders, they need to uh, perform properly uh, in hostile territory and they need a win which would be huge for them at uh, Sanchez Tijuana.
2: Yeah that's all makes sense It's going to be an interesting one And of course yeah, as you mentioned party Partidactual Predictions are our, our weekly uh, segment Where we try to guess the correct results uh, I say we Mostly Paco Guesses the correct results That will be coming out later in the week So stay tuned for that On our Twitter account At La Liga Lowdown Roman Which La Liga match Are you most looking forward to You are allowed to say The Catalan Derby But you have to justify it If you do
3: Okay, then I won't say it. <laughs> I, I think um, there's also really other good games, such as the Celta Villarreal. They're both... Mm. Fighting for survival Villarreal is a bit on top still has a, a small margin, but still a win from Celta would put them back in that um, Really close to that relegation zone. So that could be a nice game to watch And I'm also looking forward to the madrid Huesca game to see how how Zidane evolves um, Against the team which is also like trying to pull off the great escape and, and maybe he can get out of there So it'll be a, a good game to watch
2: yeah for sure and of course we've got Echefi against Leganés as well a uh, Southern Madrid derby with Hitafi trying to go for Champions League football and Leganés still not completely safe so that's going to be another one to watch out for basically every game La Liga have have done as done as well coming back from this international break almost every game is a cracker and we'll be covering it all of course on La Liga Lowdown at our Twitter account that's at La Liga Lowdown you can find us there as mentioned the party Axel Predictions videos will be coming up and we'll be telling you what's going on and we'll be bringing you our podcast next week back in the usual format talking about La Liga we hope you enjoyed this international break special edition I want to thank both Paco and Roman for staying up uh, pulling their eyes open after that quite boring Malta game to discuss it and tell us what's going on with Spain thank you guys for listening and we'll speak to you next time
0: This was a Radio 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 Stakhanov production.